At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception, Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Perception, the show. Oh, man, Matt. I am so excited about this weekend of games, bro. I can't even explain. I mean, like, you know, we, we're talking about Kansas City taking out Baltimore. We're talking about Detroit taking out San Francisco. A lot of storylines there. I'm really excited about these uh, bunch of games, especially on the AFC side. Oh, yep. It's the best of the best, baby. Conference championships, um, narratives, storylines are going to be coming out of this game. Um, You know, legacies will will start to be formed. Maybe some legacies will be furthered. I mean, Mahomes could be in another Super Bowl, which is pretty... it's just it's outrageous. outrageous. Yeah, on, it's dude. outrageous. It really, it's, so good. it's it, ridiculous. It, it really, really is. You know, if and and I, I don't know about you, James, but I find that there's to me something yeah. to root for with any of these four teams, which is for nice. Sure. Like any of these four teams going to the Super Bowl. I know the Chiefs. I think will be the hardest. Like root for factor. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. that they'll be the hardest. Like. Uh, yeah, I really want to see uh, Kansas City win another one. But I think if they're going to win another Super Bowl, you just have to sit here and say to yourself, like, you're seeing something that, like, we just don't see very often. Yeah, you're watching um, greatness. And you're watching greatness. And, and mm-hmm. like, I think that's good enough for everybody to be excited. I mean, people say they don't want to see it, but it's like the numbers tell you that people do want to see it, you know? It's like yeah. anytime there's, like, a dynasty in play, like, the, the ratings go up, you know? I, I mean, again, people say they don't want to see this, but... People want to see it, you know, like that's what's funny about the whole thing. Anyways, um, I want to, before we get down to the breakdown of those games, um, I did want to talk about some of these uh, head coaching moves that we've seen uh, since we've last chatted here. And and there's a a lot of different moving pieces, but I'll I'll start there in Atlanta. um, And they haven't finalized um, a head coach there, but I'm assuming with all of these interviews that they have conducted that Bill Belichick is not going there. I don't know, like... I know they did two interviews with Bill, which, by the way, it's just, it's objectively hilarious that you need a second interview <laughs> with Bill Belichick. Like, that's objectively funny, you know? Like, what do you, like, it's Bill Belichick. Why do you need a second interview? Anyways, uh, but man, 13 guys, Matt, have reportedly interviewed for this job. They've conducted at least, at least 16 total interviews, I think 17 now, uh, for this job. What do you make of all of this? Uh, I don't know, the, all the candidates going to Atlanta. Yeah, right. Vrabel, um, isn't he there today? Or I think or, he or is. Something? Yeah, he's there yeah. today as we record here on Wednesday. So, man, yeah, I thought 
that I, I do like that Atlanta's casting a wide net here because originally I thought they were clearly going to just be going big game hunting, right? Yeah. I thought they were they were just, they were looking at Bill, Belichick, they were looking at uh, Jim Harbaugh. I was actually kind of surprised that we didn't hear much about Vrabel for this job until right now. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have been assuming that Arthur Smith is a package deal with Mike Vrabel. Although apparently, number one, Arthur Smith obviously ain't going back to Atlanta as the offensive <laughs> coordinator. That would be Appar- so funny. That would be funny. That would actually be really funny. Um, that would be I, amazing. I don't like just dive to see the Twitter reaction to, to some things, but I'm dying to see like what the, the <laughs> I would love to see the Twitter reaction to that. But anyways, oh, um, I, I thought they were originally just going big game hunting. I yeah. think maybe now that's like, that's not the case. Apparently they were really impressed with Bobby Slowick. Um, mm-hmm. They've been really impressed obviously with Ben Johnson, just like everybody is. Right. They're seemingly casting a pretty wide net here, which I think is smart. I think the Belichick stuff, you know, comes down to two things. It comes down to power dynamics. You know, um, Rich McKay, who's been the team president for a long time. Um, there's some reports that he was kind of hesitant about the whole thing, even if um, uh, even if Arthur Blank was really into the idea of hiring Bill Belichick, because any owner wants to hire Bill Belichick and yeah. go to the owners' meetings and saying like, "Yeah, I pulled in Bill Belichick," you know. But I also think there's got to be concerns about the staff. I, I really think that that's probably a stumbling block at this point for teams mm. hiring Bill Belichick. They want to hire Belichick, but they don't want to hire everything that comes with Belichick. <laughs> Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia and just like uh-huh. all these the guys. That he hasn't you been don't want to buy. You nepot- want to buy. Yeah, you don't want to buy the nepotism. Come on. You don't want the nepotism and you don't want the cronyism. But it's is that like the deal with Belichick at this point? Like. Because I think that's going to be a big stumbling block for not just the yeah. Atlanta Falcons, but any team. Hey, you know what's funny, though? I, again, we I've come onto this podcast and said that Bill the GM hurt Bill the coach. I, I actually think that Bill the coach has actually done a pretty decent job. Look, I know the, the quarterback situation has been, tr- you know, problematic, uh, obviously. They're, they're now, we're going to get to the Patriots here relatively soon here, but the Patriots are going on to the, what, their, their, their fifth coordinator in in. in four or five years, right? So, you know, the, the quarterback has no chance uh, learning all these different systems at all these different times. But I, I do think from a defensive standpoint, Bill Belichick and the Patriots have continued to be really, really good, top of the class. Um, and again, I think if you give them this group, and Matt, you, you've loved this group just from a, you know, just from an ingredients standpoint here in Atlanta, there's a lot to work with. I just think that if you bring in Bill, I, I think you're set up for success instantaneously. I mean, immediately coming out the gates with Bill Belichick, and you could be very successful. I think that it would give you a really solid floor, and I already think that like the roster talent in Atlanta gives you a solid floor anyways, right? Mm-hmm. But my issue is that I feel like a lot of the things that Atlanta needs right now, they need a really quality offensive play caller, and they obviously need a quarterback. Those are the issues that really stuck with Bill Belichick there towards the end of the Patriots tenure <laughs> right. in the post-Tom right, Brady right, era, right, you know, right. and especially once Josh McDaniels left for Las Vegas to take the Raiders head coaching job. It was an issue with offensive play caller and it was an issue at quarterback. And I'm, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith. And I look, you interview Bill Belichick twice. You had to have asked him at some point, like, what's your plan at quarterback and what's your yeah. plan at offensive coordinator? And I wonder the fact that they continue to talk to all these other candidates, if they didn't like that answer, that's, that's mm. the only thing that from my yep. perspective if you're the Falcons and you're hiring Bill Belichick or you're hiring anybody, like I want to know what the plan is at quarterback. You know, uh, right. my buddy Charles McDonald at Yahoo always makes this point. Like Atlanta quietly had been pretty spoiled in the quarterback uh, department for a long time. Like they're obviously not a Mahomes or a, you know a, a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or any one of those guys, but they went from these really fun, successful years with Mike Vick, and then there was mm-hmm. one year of chaos uh we'll call it (laughs) (laughs) we'll call it one year of chaos right into the matt ryan era and like Uh again matt ryan was never in the peyton manning group he was never in the tom brady group but his time in the league he was a solid starter you could set your watch by him and when they had good um offensive pieces and an offensive play caller obviously shanahan's the best example when he won mvp he was a really high quality starter like I think the Falcons are really, I bet ownership, I know the fans are kind of struggling with this, like, all right, are we, like, God, we're doing Mariota, and then we're doing Desmond Ritter, and, like, these patchwork solutions, like, we don't want this, and I feel like management probably feels the same way, and I just don't know what Belichick's plan for for that would be at this point. 
Yeah. Uh, I had to look this up because uh, I was curious. I was like, who was the quarterback after Mike Vick, man? Joey oh, Harrington. Joey Harrington, Chris Redman, and Byron Leftwich in 2007 were their three quarterbacks that they used. Interesting stuff. And then, as you mentioned, uh, they go right into the, into the Matt Ryan era, and they had him from 2008 all the way through 2021. I mean, good Lord. So, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, they, they have been steady uh, at that position for, for so, so long. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and obviously they're in a little bit of turmoil um, as we sit here today. Yeah, I mean, you look at this list, Matt. I mean, they go, I mean, they're going all over the map. I, I mean, offensive guys, defensive guys, young guys, old guys. Uh, it's just, what you talk about a wide net. It can't get wider than this. It cannot get wider uh, than this. Although the Chargers are certainly right there trying to cast a wider net too. I mean, they're, they're interviewing everybody. It sounds like Jim Harbaugh might be closing in on that job. You and I have talked about Ugh. that. <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh, I think, would be perfect for that job. Yeah, well, just circling back on the Atlanta thing real quick before we're talking about the, yeah. the, the Chargers, I do think this is the right way to do it. I like if you're a team talking to as many people as possible. You know, the Colts kind of kind of caught a ton of flack last year for doing this, like bringing. I think they brought in guys for like third interviews. They talked to a lot of people. They took a mm-hmm. long time to get the head coaching hire. And I, I mean, they got it right with Shane Steichen. They ended up yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. a great it. head coaching hire, but they took a lot of crap for like, what are you doing? Why don't, why don't just make a decision already? This is a super important position. Obviously, this is one of the most important things that you can decide on as an organization. Mm-hmm. Why not talk to a lot of people? And secondly, like why just pick everybody's brain? Even if you're not going to hire Aaron Glenn, like ha- find out what he thinks about um defensive secondary play, you know? Find out, shoot, you're not going to hire Bobby Slowick, but why not take a few of his ideas or, or hear what he has to say about things. And mm-hmm. shoot, by the way, like you might end up playing one of these guys. Like Carolina is going to hire one of these, somebody as a head coach. Yeah. Why don't you learn what they think about football a little bit and keep those notes. Like there's just, I don't think there's any harm in, in talking to a lot of people and taking your time on this process. That being said with the chargers, I mean, we all know what's going to happen here. It feels like this is the 10th day in a row that it's like Jim Harbaugh and the chargers are this <laughs> close. I mean, the, I think the latest report from, I think it was Diana oh Rossini. I saw was like, yeah, he yeah. may or may not get on the flight back to Atlanta, but yep, you know, there, yep, yep, there's yep. definitely talks about it. Just get it done already. We all know this is what's going to happen. We know it's what Harbaugh wants. We know it's what the chargers want. It's probably yep. what the chargers need. Let's just get this thing done already. 15 guys have interviewed for the Chargers head coaching position. 15. That is unbelievable. You know, I think what what has prevented teams from doing this in the past, though, Matt, is the fact that a lot of teams usually just jump on it pretty quick. So you've got to be pretty... I don't know if you like a guy, you you better go get him because somebody else might go get him, right? So um, it's interesting that a lot of different teams have employed this patience approach, which I think is, I think it's relatively unique uh, for the NFL. So you're right. This is the way to do it, but in a competitive landscape, sometimes you can't do it uh, because all these other teams are, are, are vying for the same guys, you know? So uh, there is that as well. All right. What do you think about Brian Callahan going to Tennessee? I think a lot of people are going to look at this move, Matt, and think that's it. <laughs> you, you got rid of Mike Vrabel to bring on Brian Callahan and and listen nothing against Brian Callahan okay I'm just saying uh, Brian Callahan was not one of these hot coordinator names um, that were being brought up you know what I mean and, and the Tennessee Titans moved pretty quickly uh, after the interview to bring in Brian Callahan so again I, I'll just ask you what are your thoughts here on Brian Callahan, the uh, the former offensive coordinator for Cincinnati, now going to Tennessee. This move also came in conjunction with they promoted Rand Carthon. He was already right. the general manager, but I believe he's like the you know, president, president or whatever, yeah, yeah. football operator, whatever. It just, I think, solidifies his position with the team. All this says to me, um, it says a couple things. One of the big ones is there was... It confirms all the reporting and all the whispers and all the rumors that there was an obvious power struggle in the building between... Ran Carthon's camp and Mike Vrabel's camp, and obviously Mike Vrabel lost that power structure or lost that philosophical debate with ownership, um, and and they wanted to go with whatever um, Rand Carthon uh, is going to go is this vision for the team, and Brian Callahan clearly agrees with that. Um, mm-hmm. Callahan's been in the league a long 
time. Obviously, his dad um, is is a famous offensive line coach. He might end up plucking his dad away from the Cleveland Browns to go mm. be the offensive line coach of the Tennessee Titans. I'm mean, shoot, that alone might be a reason. <laughs> if you're gonna hire, <laughs> you're gonna hire Brian Callahan. Bring Bill Callahan, his father. Yeah. Uh, who again? Like the Browns had great offensive line play this year, despite the fact that they were on their like fifth and sixth offensive tackles by the time the playoffs came around. Right, pretty crazy stuff there. And he's just a guy that again has a great reputation as an offensive line coach. So that might be worth it just for the Tennessee Titans, a team that has not been able to get the offensive line uh, together for quite some time. But I do, I don't, I don't have a ton of like Brian Callahan takes. Right? I mean, I think does anyone. That I mean that, that that's yeah. the problem, you know. It's like this—he's a relatively unknown dude, I guess. And I do think that I want to encourage everybody to be okay with the unknown this time of year because I think that we are just, as a general uh, football population, not that good at deciding who is and is not a good head coach. Right? It's a nah, very hard right. thing. It's a very hard thing to figure out. It's a very hard thing to parse out. Um, but I mean, look—he's obviously a guy that comes from Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati has done a better look. We criticize their offensive design at times on this show, but I think they did a really good job this year, especially at kind of pushing that evolution a little bit further. Obviously Zach Taylor is the head coach. He's the play caller. The buck stops with him, but you do imagine that Brian Callahan was a part of that. And everybody does seem to speak pretty highly of him. That's what we know at least so far. So he's a second generation um, coach now, second generation head coach. As a matter of fact, you, you talked about the uh, the O line coaching that uh, his dad is known for nowadays. But remember, back in the day, he was the um, Raiders head coach for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that that had a very famous falling out, uh, very public. But then he went to Nebraska. You know who his quarterback was uh, at while he was the head coach at Nebraska? It was old Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor was, wow. his, was well. His there you go. It's there's <laughs> always some kind of connection. Exactly. So if you're wondering, I'm sure Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, uh, Callahan, who I, I believe played, uh, I want to say he played quarterback for UCLA. I know he went to UCLA. I can't remember what position he played. I think he played quarterback there. Uh, but again, if you're wondering the the Zach Taylor Callahan connection, uh, it's right there. Okay, it's right there. Zach Taylor played quarterback for uh, for his dad. Um, so yeah, it, it, interesting stuff. Uh, there for Tennessee because again, uh, Brian Callahan, uh, he never called plays. He's never mm-hmm. called plays in his career. So not saying you need to call plays. Okay, I mean it's right. it's it is interesting to me, right? That we level this against Brian Callahan. We say he's never called plays. Yeah, but then it's like, well, what happens if you bring on like a Gerard Mayo? Right? He's a defensive quarterback. He's never called plays either. You, yeah. you see what I'm saying here? Right. So and sometimes uh, these guys haven't called plays before, but they end up being really good at it. Like Mike McDaniel was not a play caller in San Francisco, obviously. Great point. And he's one of the best play callers in the league right now as a head coach. Right. Um, well, he's at least one of the best offensive designers. I do think some um, – some Dolphins fans are a little pissed about the play calling at times, but um, anyways, that's a whole nother point. Like, yeah, he's he's a guy that's a good offensive uh-huh. play calling head coach right. who did not have that in his background. Right. So we'll see what's going on with Brian Callahan in Tennessee. Um, obviously, oh, same with McVay. I mean, it wasn't like McVay called plays before getting to L.A. No. either, right? No. So, no. I mean, it was, no. he was a tight ends Completely coach. Completely unknown. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I that's this is kind of my point, right? That like we – make up all these qualifications of like, oh, this will be what makes a good head coach, you know, if they're a young well, offensive play caller. And we yeah. just don't really know. Yeah, I mean, what you're, the, the point that you're making is this is what the resume usually looks like, right? right? This is what the resume usually looks like, and this guy doesn't have that usual looking resume, so what do we make of it, right? So I don't know. Um, so again, a lot to prove for Brian Callahan in Tennessee, um, but Again, I, I was a little bit surprised. You know, you let go of an established, like, well-established good coach in, in Vrabel, uh, and then you go in this um, kind of unproven direction. We shall see. The Raiders, they bring back Antonio Pierce. I thought everyone, again, just generally loved this move because we saw Pierce um, take what was a, uh, quite frankly, a terrible situation there for the Raiders, and he made them really competitive, right? So that was good. We're going to see what's going on there. But, man, I do got questions. Why, if you're the Raiders, why would you look in the division and look at the Chargers who are in cap, salary cap hell and think, I need that GM? 
Give me Tom Telesco. <laughs> like, if you're the Raiders, why are you doing this? If, to me, that move made absolutely zero sense. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, this is tough, man, because... Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And this this time of year, especially the reporters are crazy about the uh, like the insiders are crazy about the I don't even know what to call it, like agent pleasing uh, when they talk about these coaches. I mean, some reporters right. are like, oh, yeah, Matt Patricia will be a hot head defensive coordinator candidate. Or he will be. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, Ian Rapport, you know, built one of the strongest rosters in the league in Los Angeles. <laughs> Based on what? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> right, right, right. The, right. the Chargers, I don't even think the Chargers ever won the division in Tom Telesco's uh, time there. When was the last time they won the AFC West? Did they ever win the division then? I don't think uh, so. Well, I mean, they've also been in the same division as, as Patrick Mahomes, so that makes it I mean, I tough. get it, but still, not not the whole... He's been there since t- uh, 2013. You're right. Yeah, He's been yeah, there yeah. a long time, yeah, Tom no, you're Telesco. Right. You're right, you're right. No, you're right. And yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning was there too at the same time, but like, I don't, uh, I don't care, man. Like fall ass backwards into winning the division one time like one time <laughs> you're there since 2013 what is like who are i who are oh all God. these great players that the that the damn i'm looking at it right now okay yeah literally the since 2013 it goes broncos 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 
and then mm-hmm. the Chiefs every year since then. Yeah, okay. The no. Chargers haven't won the division since they were the San Diego Chargers in 2009. Which was before the Telesco era, by the way. Well before the Telesco right. era. And yeah, so and they've had a quarterback all this time. They've had they went from Justin Herbert to Philip Rivers or yeah, Philip yeah, Rivers yeah. to Justin Herbert. Uh, there was the Tyrod Taylor half a second cup of coffee there, but obviously that that didn't last long <laughs> thanks to the doctor. And and they've had obviously ro- roster injuries, but he's never nailed nailed a head coaching hire either. Obviously he doesn't have to do that here because Antonio Pierce is going to be the guy. But right, yeah, this is you rarely see GMs get a second chance. Rarely, rarely. And for Telesco to get a second chance here in the division. In the division, I think is pretty surprising. I'll say this about Tom Telesco. I don't think he's a bad drafter. Okay. Now, that being said, obviously his most recent high-profile draft pick of Quentin Johnson over some of these other wide receivers, disastrous. Him giving a monstrous contract to J.C. Jackson, who I don't know how many times people teams got to get burned by the Bill Belichick effect. Okay, yeah. like... There are certain guys that are system dudes. There are certain guys, uh, again, low draft picks that Bill Belichick is able to coach up and turn into pro bowlers. J.C. Jackson obviously was that guy. Uh, But how many times does this have to happen before we start learning like, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't take these guys who are average athlete, low draft picks that Bill Belichick molded into an all pro and then give them, you know, uh, uh, position altering contracts. Maybe you don't do that. Now, those are his most recent moves, but again, salary cap, hell for the Chargers. His most recent splash moves have been awful, but I would say that he's made some really nice picks too. You know, like made, he draft- some, made some really bad picks though, man. I mean, Slater's a good pick recently, but like 2019 first round pick, Jarrett Tillery um, in 2020, uh, they traded up for Kenneth Murray, linebacker who yeah, that was tough. they've been, they've been trying to get off the field. Yeah, they haven't, tough. um, they traded up years ago for Jeremiah, a tote, a tout you, um, that you forget about it because that was how long ago it was. And like a lot of these guys never got second contracts with the team. Like no, Tillery yeah, never no. got a second contract with the team. Melvin Gordon didn't get a second contract with the team. Um, it, there's just that's been a pretty tough history uh, of uh, and like tra- dude he's been around for so long that I believe that he traded up in 2013 for Manti Teo in the second round. Hey, um, Manti Teo, not known for his good pro career, known for a lot of other things, but <laughs> I mean, again, that's how long Telesco's been around for. <laughs> I think uh, honestly, to be fair to Telesco, I think if you go through any team's draft picks. And look at them, you know, as a whole, you're going to be like, wow, these guys whiffed on some really bad players. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you look across the board, you probably find that. But yeah, I just, like I said, I I still don't give the Raiders a pass here because it's in the division. You already know that the Chargers are in a bad shape from, from a salary cap perspective. They've missed on some of their high profile moves in recent years. I don't know, man. I just thought it was a surprising move. I, I didn't I didn't really understand it. And I think the football world was kind of like doing a collective head scratching as to why Tom Telesco, of all people, got a second opportunity this quickly um by the vegas raiders um okay let's move on to new england here patriots hired gerard mayo 37 years old he's now the youngest head coach in the nfl mayo obviously a former patriots linebacker he's looking for offensive coaches right now uh i don't know your thoughts here on gerard mayo taking that head coaching position with the new england patriots matt yeah gerard mayo hampton va's finest shout out um I, actually <laughs> mike, mike tomlin might have something mike tomlin might have something to say about that he's also from hampton virginia but right. um I, look, it sounds like this 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 was in the cards, actually literally in the contract, right, that they signed Gerard Mayo to last year that he would be the successor to mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, which is why they were able to not even interview anybody. They were able to just promote him, right? That, that right. was the whole deal with this hiring, which to bring back my point earlier, I don't love that. Even if Mayo ends up being a great coach, like, I'd still talk to some other people, you know, just mm. just to get a – you know, you're, you're hiring a head coach for the first time in forever, Okay, Bill Belichick out the door. Uh, I'd want to talk to a few people. That says nothing really about uh, Gerard Mayo, who I think could be a great head coach by all accounts, is beloved by the players, connects really well to the players, which I think will probably be a refreshing change from Bill Belichick. Not that it sounds like people liked playing for playing for Belichick and felt like, yeah, he really cared about us and was, you know, would connect with you as a person. But that's what people said in that building, at least. But you know, I'm, I'm giving a, kind of an eyebrow because I've, I don't know. I, look, I, I'll just say this: 
Bill Belichick is a very powerful person. He's a very powerful character uh, in the football world. Um, I've talked to a lot of players um, off camera, and I've literally never heard that about Bill Belichick. These things are all opinion-based. but Right, right. I I think what people really like is that he's very professional, right? And Mm -hmm. and in this crazy world, that's... A lot of a lot of that goes a long way, uh, but I certainly have never heard you know like that it was like familial or like you know oh, no. it was none of that. It was very business like, and if you like that, then that's good for you. And if you don't like that, you're like, man, this is very cold, a <laughs> very cold situation we've got here in New England. Anyways, go on, go on, go on, go ahead. No, and I think that Gerard Mayo might be able to kind of my point was like cross both those lines there a little bit. Like it can be a professional thing, but he is a younger guy can maybe connect with these players a little bit more, which I think is pretty encouraging and and like is a necessary change in that building. Like I think that's that it was definitely a cold business there at times in new England at other times you've like, Oh, well, you know, when you're here, Bill, Bill cares about you or whatever, but then like, oh, he throws you out the door at at different times. Like, I think that Mayo might be able to kind of do both there a little bit, which will be a welcome change. I'm very curious about what the staff is going to look like there in New England. That's the big thing to me. Like, are they going to go back to just the same old people that they've always worked with that, or is Gerard Mayo going to, you know, strike his own path? That's what's big. uh, The biggest question to me, at least here. So it doesn't sound like they're going this whole nepotism path, although they might, I I guess this Nick Cayley uh, character that uh, one of the offensive coordinator um, candidates that they've got uh, was a former Patriots, you know, coach, but um, he's currently with the Rams. Yeah. So he's got Zach Robinson uh, who's with the Rams and then Dan pitcher, uh, who is the quarterback's coach for uh, I'm blanking right now, the Bengals. That's what it is. Okay. So, uh, three potential candidates there for that OC position. I don't have a problem with the. Well, what I have a problem with Matt is that we've got a young, unproven coach in Gerard Mayo. He's 37 years old, and their thought for offensive coordinator are also really young guys who are completely unproven. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe you can kind of sort of talk me off this ledge here, but I don't recall that ever working in the NFL. When you've got somebody who's young and unproven and then bringing in a young and unproven staff, I don't know, man, like there is something to be said about the whole experience factor, you know, like, and Mm -hmm. I get it at head coach, you know, you want to connect with the players, do those type of things. And and sometimes that'll work. But when we see these young coach, I mean, listen, remember Sean McVay, when he came to LA, he could, he didn't even have to think about the defensive side of the football because he's got a freaking, you know, old grandpa who's been in the league since, you know, the 40s or whatever, handling the defensive side of the football, right? Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, sorry. Yeah, Wade Phillips. Aged in a big spot there in the the league since the 40s. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Like, bring in some guys with some experience. And the, uh, the other thing I loved about the Wade Phillips hire, too, was the fact that Phillips had some head coaching experience, right? Um I don't know. I'm a little bit, if I'm a new England fan, I I am worried um, that this is the direction that they are looking to go in uh, from an offensive coordinator standpoint. If I am Mayo and I get it when you're this young, maybe you're a little bit worried about the politics of everything. You know, maybe you're worried Mm -hmm. that this older coordinator might be gunning for your job at some point. Okay. I, I can sort of see that maybe, but man, I I don't know, man. If I'm Mayo, I'm still looking for somebody with a lot more experience um, that can really handle that offensive side of the football, and, and again, just be able to delegate that position and not worry about it. Problem is, man, off like offensive coordinators. Did you see the stat that now now that Brian Callahan is leaving to go uh, to the Tennessee Titans, leaving Cincinnati, that every team will have changed its offensive coordinator since 2022? Is that I right? Mean, yeah, every There's, single one. Every single team. There's just <laughs> not a cra- lot of like. That's crazy. What? Usually, if these guys like have experience as an offensive coordinator, they're, they're either gone. so bad that mm-hmm. they're fired, and then like, yeah, you don't want to like, oh boy, can't wait to get that guy's experience in the building, right? Like, well, what are you going to hire Matt Canada? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't yeah, wait to yeah, get yeah, his yeah, experience yeah, yeah, yeah. in the building, or they're promoted to be a head coach. So, like, I mean, even that's Bobby Sloak, who we're talking about, like, he might be a little bit too green at this well yeah, teams want to hire him as their head coach and if he doesn't get a job this cycle like he's definitely getting a job next year if he continues on the path that he's on That's so there's just not a lot of like experienced candidates laying around unless you want to kind of go the really really old 
retread model, right? So um, interesting. I, I think that's the biggest. But I hear you though that the issue with these younger coaches, like a, uh, I mean. Antonio Pierce, especially, uh, I'm curious what who he ends up hiring as an offense mm-hmm. coordinator, just because he didn't have a lot of experience in coaching. Period. Gerard Mayo has been, um, he was actually in the business world for a little bit. I believe he like uh, owned his own business for for a minute there before actually getting into coaching. Like, and he's only been in one place. Yeah. Um, Pierce has only been right. at Ari- University of Arizona, and then here, right? Or was it Arizona or Arizona State? I, I don't know. I mix the two up all the time. But like, regardless, there's these guys don't have these like long catalogs of relationships, right? I mean, Brian right. Callahan, who we talked about earlier, he's been in the league forever. And that's not to say that these guys can't end up finding the next Bobby Slowick, who mm-hmm. very much like with, um, you know, comes from, comes with D'Amico Ryan's over San Francisco. D'Amico Ryan's had been a defensive assistant there for a long time. You know, he gets promoted or not a long time. It wasn't that long. It was only a few years gets promoted. He brings over an inexperienced office coordinator. And sometimes that thing works out. Like that's not to say this won't work out for the Patriots or the Raiders. It's just, there's that little small disadvantage. You don't have this like catalog of guys to hire from at the same yeah. time though. We've definitely seen many examples um, I'm thinking the Panthers last year. It's like, oh man, I know who all these guys are on this staff. We've heard of them for years, and it was an awful, awful situation, a toxic situation, even. Yeah. So yeah, there's 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 pros and cons to everything, and yeah. hopefully for these guys, they figure it out the right thing to do here. All right, there you go. Uh, we move on to the games uh, that are actually going to be played be played this weekend. Kansas City taking on Baltimore on the road again. Does Patrick Mahomes go? Uh, and then Detroit on the road taking on San Francisco. Uh, by the way, speaking of Detroit, all these head coaching you know candidacies that are open and whatnot, it makes me think, do some of these teams really want to just put a big offer on the table for Ben Johnson? Um, and they can't because they're still in the playoffs. I, that's just a little bit of a conspiracy theory that I'm throwing out there. I'm not 100% sure, but but there might be some, there might be a grain of truth to that. Um, anyways, there's okay. also there's also a lot of talk in league circles right now that like commanders to Ben Johnson, like that's a done deal. Like that, that's already that's kind of it's similar to like when everybody knew Shanahan was going to the San Francisco 49ers. It was just a matter of um, right. when, not if they, they got eliminated. <laughs> right. I think that might be kind of what we got going here with Ben Johnson and the Washington Commanders. And because everybody knows Josh Harris is going to pay you a lot of money and yep, like yep, yep. so can David Tepper, but. Um, nobody's going to Carolina. Yeah, no, no, going to Carolina. <laughs> no, so you'd have to be desperate to go to Carolina, man. Although uh, Vrabel, anyways. apparently Vrabel is is going to travel there after his Atlanta interview. Oh, I just God. read that right now as we're on Why? here. Why Could you imagine? Doing? I mean, they promote Dan Cam or Dan Campbell. Jeez, Dan Morgan, uh, the former Panthers linebacker. They promote an internal candidate. Um, that's another former linebacker. A lot of linebacker energy yeah. in Carolina. Maybe that's maybe Let's that's go. what they need. Two two big <laughs> former linebacker yeah. tough guys to look at look yeah. at David Tepper and say, Hey, I pipe down a little bit. All right. Baldy. All right. Stop throwing beers at people. All right, Tepper, come on. Let's go. <laughs> you know that was a Chardonnay, not a beer, but whatever. <laughs> okay, fair. What's the Chardonnay game over at uh, over at the stadium like? I I, I do wonder. Um, anyway. probably. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. Um, okay, um, I want you to rank these receivers of the teams that remain. Okay, we've got Amon Ross, St. Brown, Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Rank them, Matt Harmon. Okay, this is um, these are really interesting receiver rooms because a lot of these guys are kind of the only game in their receiver room or or they don't have another established player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I think Josh Reynolds is, is a really good player. I think Josh Reynolds is really probably better than anybody in Kansas City's roster right now. I think Yikes. Josh Reynolds to like a um, – other than Rasheed Rice. I mean, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. non-Rasheed Rice players, you know, the the other the guys. The non-alphas. I mean, yeah. Right, the non-alphas there. I mean, he he might be better than anybody on that roster. I think, like, Baltimore is kind of like Rashad Bateman and, and Josh Reynolds. Like, is that kind of a toss-up? I think Bateman's probably better than any of the other Kansas City receivers. Um, I think Beckham's probably better than any other Kansas City receivers. Uh, I <laughs> oh think God, Beckham yes. to – is this – Man, I was surprised. By the way, I was surprised by how little he got used in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe they're saving him for this Kansas City game, or but it just seems like we keep saying maybe they're saving him for this game and this game and this game, and then he <laughs> yeah, never exactly. actually gets a lot of playing time. <laughs> um, so I, I don't really know what to think about Beckham. But again, this is, these are very similar receiver rooms. 
I do think for me, and look, I'll just say this. You people out there listening, watching, whatever, if you're going to come at me and like throw stats in my face about these rankings, okay. I could not care less, okay? I do not care what one guy produced on his team comparing it to what another guy produced yeah. on his team because that is not what we are doing here. We are not just going to NFL.com stat page and sorting by <laughs> catches and yards and saying like this guy is better than this right, guy. Right. And really, exactly. I think I think there's a very right. clear of these five, there's a very clear top three, but splitting the top three is difficult. You do know where I'm going to go with the number one spot here. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown is the most productive player, but I do think Correct. the best wide receiver on the field uh, in the NFC Championship game is Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I think I like he it. is right now the most impactful player because of what he does from a beating man coverage perspective, what he does from an outside the numbers perspective. And we talked a little bit last show that Purdy probably had more of those throws uh, available to him, yes. but I think he, he probably should have done a better job of taking them. But again, Brandon, Ayuk, one of the best separators in the NFL, one of the most efficient receivers in the NFL. He again, do not compare stats with Ayuk because it's a unique situation. He has over 1300 yards and a hundred targets, which is just absolutely insane on the season. Crazy. He's a great player. I think he's the number, he's the best like pure receiver playing uh, on Sunday. I totally agree with you. Um, and again, I just think he's going to go ridiculous. Like he's going to go ham sandwich yeah. in this game, you know, against Detroit. It should be, you know, pretty, uh, clean um, conditions. Hopefully, there's no rain. I, I, I didn't realize that Brock Purdy's hands melt in the rain. I didn't realize that. Um, but uh, but hopefully, they there's no rain. Little, they turn to little nubs in the, yeah, in the rain. Exactly. Like what, what's happening here, dude? Like is he throwing with like a hook on his hand all of a sudden? Like what's going on? <laughs> uh, but no, I, and I think Ayuk against this Detroit secondary. Ooh, way, Matt. Ayuk should go crazy. It, listen, guys. If Ayuk doesn't go for 100 yards, I would be absolutely stunned. Um, yeah. The only way Ayuk doesn't go for 100 yards in this game is if the ground game is just absolutely mauling Detroit so bad and, and Jared Goff throws two pick sixes that they don't have to do anything in the pass game. I, that is actually a possibility. But... I, I think that Brandon Ike is going to go just absolute ham sandwich uh, in this matchup against Detroit, whose secondary right now is, is, I mean, quite literally the worst in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, they're getting destroyed by everyone. Okay, so Ayuk's number one. I'm assuming you're going to say Amon Ra's number two. Um, and to be honest with you, I, 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 I agree with you that Ayuk is the one. I do have a little bit of a eh, about impact. I feel like impact Amon Ra to his team is more impactful than Ayuk is to his team. Oh, yeah. Like, I think if we were ranking value, right. like who's the most valuable receiver to their team, I think Amon Ra St. Brown would be number one on the in, list. In I, a runaway. I, yeah, in a pretty good runaway because, yeah. I mean, we might, we're might we talking about here with, you know, Debo might not play in this game. We'll talk about Debo in a second. But, like, right. Debo might not play in this game. But it's like, all right, well, that obviously sucks. He's so critical to what that team does offensively. But – right. They can get by with Kittle and with Chris McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, even Juwan Jennings shows up with some yep. decent moments now and again. They can get by. They can still probably win this game. Like, I think if for whatever reason Amon Ross St. Brown was kidnapped or whatever, the Lions would be so <laughs> screwed. <laughs> and they have other good players, right, okay? Right, they right, have other right. really good players. Sam Laporta's sure. good. Jameer Gibbs is I mean, awesome. Like I said, Josh Reynolds has been really solid for them this year. Mm -hmm. But Amon Ross St. Brown is just so clearly the draw, the straw that stirs the drink for this offense. Yeah. Um, the way he beats zone coverage, the way he beats man coverage now at this point. Again, that I can't say enough good things about him as a player, period. But, man, you really saw the development, I think, all year. And then it was accentuated in the Rams game how he was just winning against press man coverage as an outside receiver. Like, he can do that stuff now, which makes him – you know, closer to that like complete elite tier of receivers. I think he's yeah. right on, on kind of on the cusp. Him and Ayuk, I think, are right on the cusp of that for me. Um, and I think those guys are really close. But so he'd be he'd be two for me. I'm gonna Ross yep. St. Brown's two for me. Okay. And then where are we going with three? I, I think three has got I me. Mean, he's got to be Debo here. I think and that I think the top three are clear. It's okay. it's 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 Ayuk, it's St. Brown, it's Debo, and like look, 
again, don't come at me and argue about this. I don't care. These are this is my opinion. But if you wanted to come in here and say like I think Debo is one, or that's fine because he's so good and he's so important to this team. Um, he's a true game wrecker. Like he just does things that really nobody else at the receiver position um, does. And I will admit, from my perspective, that does make him hard to sort of not just in this exercise, but when we're <laughs> listing him out among yeah, the rest yeah, of the yeah. league, right. it makes him a really hard player to sort. No, uh, 100% for sure. Uh, Ayuk, Amon Ra, Debo. Now, where do we go with Zay Flowers or She Rice? Yeah, four spot for me is going to be Zay Flowers. I know this is going to uh, incite the yards per route run bros. They're going to point out that, uh, you know, Rasheed Rice's <laughs> yards per route run is right up there with Puka Nakua as a rookie. The key had a historic yards year, too. Okay. okay. I mean, like, <clears throat> sure. He was really good in his one specific role. I think Zay Flowers, though, can hurt a defense in, in a variety of different ways. Okay. Um, I think Rasheed Rice can get there in time. I still think we're we're working on it. Um, but with Zay Flowers, like you can put the ball in his hands in manufactured ways. You can get him on these in-breaking routes. But, like, man, the route that he ran against um, the, the Texans last week where he sold the go-route, sold the go-route, and then sp- – sprung it sprung it and broke it to the outside that's like pro level stuff and we've been seeing him do that all year long he hasn't always gotten the targets got the target on that play was super impressive i mean i think this guy can really be uh, in that superstar tier at some point that's how highly i think of zay flowers and and he can obviously make that impact right now this weekend um and then rasheed rice is number five here to me and he and definitely is number five with a bullet like where there's no comparing him to any other receiver I think that's going to be playing this weekend you know damn Jameson Williams or any of these guys like I mean Rasheed Rice is a very good player I think he has shown right kind of in that area at times this year and has really gotten better and better with it that ability to beat zone coverage in the underneath area that if you're going to be a number one I'm not going to say number one receiver. I'm saying like you're going to be the number one target on your team as like that type of receiver. The mm-hmm. not gadget guy. I mean, he's not a gadget player, but um, you're going to only basically run these in breaking routes. And occasionally we're going to sprinkle you some outside and vertical targets. But mostly you're buttering your bread on the short and intermediate in breaking routes. And you're going to hit the yak plays over and over and over again on those. Like you really do have to be a master at beating zone coverage like Juju was when he was good. Obviously, at Cooper Cup is like the highest player right. of that archetype. Right. He's he's shown me a lot that I think he can get in that bucket of, of player. Um, but again, I think if you're talking about limitations, he's probably the most limited of these five receivers. All right, uh, let's break down some matchup notes here. Uh, how do you see the games actually going? Kansas City against Baltimore. Baltimore, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Kansas City, again, on the road. Uh, people are anticipating a little bit of a lower-scoring game, although the general public thinks that it's going to be well over this 44-and-a-half-point total. Um, I'm not sure. I- I'm actually a little torn on it, and to be honest with you, I think the betting public is heavily on the oversight of this, but Matt, I, I actually think the line's good um, and uh, not really touching it in any kind of way. If anything, I, I, I probably lean towards the under, uh, if anything. Kansas City's pass defense is so good right now, mm-hmm. shutting down teams left and right, and we know about the strength of Baltimore's defense as well. Yeah, I, I think this game could be a pretty low-scoring one. I think it's going to come down to like critical plays at, in big moments. Um Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And both these quarterbacks are capable of that, obviously. Um, Holmes is, of course, capable of doing that. You know, Lamar Jackson, we saw even when Houston, like Houston did a lot to put that offense in a bind. I think they were obviously much better about it in the second half, but they blitzed the hell out of Lamar and all this stuff. And. I mean, I think they blitzed him on damn near like 65, 70% of his dropbacks. It was pretty crazy, but he can get out of that, you know, and then once he breaks those first levels of the blitzer uh, as a scrambler, I mean, he's going to be making up chunk gains there. So I I agree with you. I think it's probably a a pretty low scoring game. Yeah, I mean, 100 yards rushing for Lamar Jackson against Houston. Um, I don't think... That is what we will see from Kansas City. I think they'll look to, to box and contain. So, I don't know. We shall see. Um, Kansas City, as I mentioned, extremely tough, especially tough against outside wide receivers. Third lowest completion percentage allowed since week number 10. Fourth fewest receptions. Third fewest yards allowed to outside wide receivers. Zay Flowers, a 65-35 outside-inside player. Um, I, I think he might have a little bit of a tough go in this matchup um, as a, that's a big reason why I like Lamar Jackson under 212 and a half receiving or passing yards and then under one and a half passing touchdowns as well. I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze under one and a half passing touchdowns for Lamar minus 185. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think about the run game though? Isaiah Pacheco, um, I don't know why I keep doing this, but mentally I keep thinking Pacheco's going to fall back and he just never falls back. He just continues to assault, uh, you know, the, the, the line of scrimmage like he's mad at it. And uh, and he's running pretty well for, for Kansas City. Uh, he's been running great in the postseason, which has been a nice development. It is a little concerning that um, guard Joe Tooney, who's one of the better interior players in the league, yep. is, is going to probably miss this game. Um, that's a huge loss for Kansas City, especially in their run game and honestly from an interior pass protection perspective. They still have Creed Humphrey, who's a great center. Yep. Um, Trey Smith has not had a great season, but he's had a pretty good late season run and postseason run especially um, but we know that their tackle situation is kind of questionable I feel like the play of the offensive line is going to be the biggest kind of dictator here with Isaiah Pacheco man he's such a fascinating player do you think he's like their long-term bell cow back because he just keeps like kind of producing um, there's always like a little bit of meat left on the bone from a run yeah. game perspective um, but I mean he just he seems like such a tone setter and he seems like he such a big part of um, when it gets to this time of the year, it's like, okay, this is Pacheco time. This is when we really get like Andy Reed sort of not, not fully wakes up. Cause we still have the goofy rushing plays. Um, like let's, Let's take those McCole Hardman rushing plays and shoot them into the sun, okay? We don't need those anymore. Why do we keep, keep doing this? I, keep we love them. Andy Reid. We love Andy Reid. But why do we keep doing this with, with these jet sweeps and this, these pop passes to these guys not named Tyreek Hill? Like, it wor- listen, it worked with Tyreek Hill, okay? It, it was beautiful with Tyreek. But stop it with the Kadarius Tony pop passes and the McCole Hardman, you know, jet sweep. Like, Stop. Let's let's take those plays out of the playbook. We love Andy Reid. We do. Oh, we love we love you, Andy, but we love when you Come get on. serious about the power run game, which they yeah, do again right. at, for the most part at this time of the year, but let's get like serious about it. I'm I'm very right. curious about uh if they can establish this run game against uh, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned it last week, they'd given up some production of running backs. They were obviously great last week. They're I still in my opinion, yeah, I think terrific. they're the best defense in the league. They're they're an elite tier defense. Um, but uh, I definitely uh, there there's been those moments where they get up some some production here and there. But overall, I'm, I'm I think that's going to be a big big dictator in this matchup, and and the lack of uh, Joe Tooney will be a big factor here. So the line right now for Pacheco, who, by the way, is also nursing a little bit of an injury, so watch those practice reports. Shock. But uh, 64 and a half rush yards is the line right now at minus 115 for Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, obviously, shop that line around if you want. But, um, okay, so the Ravens have allowed 4.68 yards per carry to opposing running backs since week number 10. That's the fifth highest average allowed in the NFL. Pacheco's been over that line in six of his last eight games. And five of the last eight starting running backs to face Baltimore 
has posted have posted 65 plus rushing yards. So that is a prop that I will be keeping a close eye on as the um, as the games approach here. All right, Detroit taking on San Francisco. San Francisco favored by seven. Uh, they're anticipating Vegas is a very high scoring game in this one. Over under set at 51. Uh, matchups that you kind of sort of like here. How do you see the game going, Matt? Yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, San Francisco's defense definitely has moments, but they also have lapses. We saw that a little bit um, at times against Green Bay, but then you know when the moment was needed, they could come up with with clutch plays. Um, Their pass rush is a little bit hit or miss if Nick Bosa's not really taking a game over. Um, But I I do think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. And obviously on the other side of Detroit's defense, I don't I don't see how like Debo, no Debo. I don't see how they can possibly keep up. with with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, the worst thing that that Detroit does defensively is they give up vertical passes. And yeah, no team ones. loves to throw vertical chunk plays, especially out of base personnel when they get multiple like get the linebackers on the field, they get, you know, they don't get get a, just the outside cornerbacks they can pick on those guys. That's really when we see some problems for Detroit's defense and I think how is that not going to be the case here on Sunday against 49ers? Yeah, the the one thing that Detroit does well defensively is stop the run. They're really good uh, up front about stopping the run. Unfortunately, I just don't see them being able to contain Christian McCaffrey. You know, like I get it. <laughs> Detroit's been one of the toughest run defenses in the NFL, especially since week number 10. But I guess CMC, CMC, you know, yeah. like you're not stopping that train, you know, like, yeah, he might, you might stop him for a yard or two here and there. And then all of a sudden, like we saw last week, he pops one off for 50 yards to the cribbo. You know, so uh, good luck stopping that. All right, so you want to bring some more support down to, to go stop Christian McCaffrey? All right, this is why I'm saying Brandon Ike is going to get you that hundo spot, okay? They're going to get tired of getting run on by CMC. They're going to bring a safety down, and Brandon Ike's going to hit him right over the top of the head. I don't know, man. Like, to me, I look at that seven-point um, spread for San Francisco – and I just, I love it. Give me San Francisco oh, all day. Really? I, I think they just, I think they might actually wax Detroit in this one. In a high scoring oh. game. In a high score. I think it will be a high scoring game. But Jared Goff on the road. By the way, Shanahan knows all this dude's tendencies. He knows him like the back of his hand. When he was with the Rams, he just boxed up Goff bad. I mean, bad, bad. So I don't know, man. I just feel like with the the history between Shanahan and Goff, Goff on the road, San Francisco with the matchups, I just, it doesn't feel like it's going to be that close. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I can see it. Um, And Steve Wilkes, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, has been more willing to heat up quarterbacks, to blitz quarterbacks. And um, Goff has been a little hit or miss against the blitz this year. So I think that's going to be just – look, I hate to say it always comes back to Goff, but it, it does feel like a you know kind of a big moment here um, for him. NFC Championship game away from Detroit – I, look, I'm rooting for the Lions. I, 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 like I said up top, I think any of these teams provide a really good storyline worth yeah. rooting for. Obviously, it would be awesome to see the damn Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl and the way that city has rallied around this team and just how much they embody Detroit. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm with you that I do think the 49ers are better. Than, whether they win the game or not, I think they're they're the better team here. I, I know the the whole country is rooting for for the Lions. For me, and this is coming from a Cal guy, I'm rooting for CMC. I want to see him in the Super Bowl. He's one of the best players to ever do it. He's one of the best players to ever do it. He's a future Hall of Famer. Um, And for him to have never played in a Super Bowl seems, I don't know, that it just doesn't sit right with me. You know, when we see an all-time great player not play on the biggest stage, right? Like, give me CMC in the Super Bowl. Like, that's what I want to see. Um, And again, all these other guys too, you know, like, for example... Shanahan getting his payback in the Super Bowl, that'd be great. You know, yeah. again, one of the great offensive minds in football, one of the great, you know, head coaches in football is Kyle Shanahan. Just let the guy get his ring. I don't know, man. Uh, I, and I know, I get it. Look, I get it. Everyone's rooting for the underdog, the plucky underdog. Detroit hasn't done it since, you know, whatever, the, the freaking Truman administration. Okay, I understand. I get that. Okay, but, you know, let, let me see some of these historically great players and coaches Go win a Super Bowl. That would be my, uh, that would be my hope uh, for San Francisco. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, should be a good game. Should be a lot of fun. But man, I am really, really looking forward uh, to this weekend for sure. Okay, 
Um, we've got a couple weeks here, but uh, but give me a quick Super Bowl pick here, Matt, as we go into the conference championships. Yeah, I, I've been on Ravens 49ers the whole time. I know it's boring, but I think that um, I, I I think those will be the two teams, um, and I do think the 49ers can get it done. Which uh, oh, man, I I I just really struggled picking between those two teams. I'm not. You're not going to box me in on a Super Bowl pick right now because okay. I got time to think about it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You do. You um, do. You do. I've said that Baltimore is going to do it. I said the 49ers are going to do it, but I do think those are going to be the two teams here. Uh, I, I know the the logo conspiracy theorists uh, know that it's going to be San oh, Francisco, God. Baltimore. <laughs> For that reason alone, I almost don't want it to be. But then, like, if Kansas City gets in, then the Taylor Swift conspiracy theorists are going to be out on you know out of nowhere. Like, oh man, look at that! See, they're rigging it for Taylor Swift or whatever. I mean, unbelievable. There's so. The internet has never been more insufferable, James. The internet has never been more insufferable than it is today. <laughs> I think it's going to be Kansas City taking on San Francisco uh, to stuff it in the face of those uh, logo conspiracy theorists. Um, and uh, and I think I will pick San Francisco in this one. Uh, just top to bottom, man, this team feels like it's the best team in football uh, by a pretty good margin. I, I, I really like what they've put on paper uh, from at, at every position, at every level. They've got depth, too, which is really, really nice. And, and obviously, uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to coach for the best of them. So, for me, it's San Francisco, but we'll see how these games play out. I, I'm really looking forward to it. But we got to go, man. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. Peace. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. <laughs>